Congratulations, we've been on First Peter since, I don't know, forever, uh, since the beginning of January. Sorry, man, I'm going to shut this here. And, and we've been going verse by verse almost uh, through this whole book. We are on the next to last week, if you believe it. Um, we're, we're jumping into to chapter 5 this week, and, and we're going to dice it up into two weeks, this week and next week. And they're big, big, big chunks. Uh, and so, if you would, we're going to read the first five verses, uh, and, and then we'll jump right in here. Okay, verse 1 of chapter 5, 1 Peter. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, as a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who, has, who, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, not eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God opposes the, opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble." Let me set the context up. We've been setting context up since January for the first uh, for the book of First Peter. But here's a little context. This is a book filled with encouragement. The whole book is. It's filled with encouragement, and it's straightforward punches in the face. Right? This is like persecution's common Christians, and it's already here. And so here's a punch right in the teeth to kind of help us get our line in, in life with the, the teaching of God. And, and so this has been the whole, the whole first Peter's been dealing with this. Um, it's kind of like a warning. Here's a warning. Death is real, and it really hurts, but spiritual death is even more real, and it really hurts. Like, it's the ultimate, ultimate death. And so the first, book, uh, first Peter, the whole premise has been, you know what? Don't die spiritually. Don't, don't give in to the things of this world. Like, stand up for what God's asking us to do. Stand up and be bold for Jesus. Because suffering's coming. So when it comes, are we going to cave into it? Or are we going to stand up? And I can really relate with, the, with this book. This is one of the reasons we picked this book to go first. is because I just love Peter. I think he's an incredible man. I, would, I think he and I would have been friends. Or maybe not, because we're identical. I don't know. But, but I, I really like this. And, and I like in verse 5, or chapter 5, there's an apparent shift that takes place. If you've been following along and studying, the first four chapters have been really good. And then we shift into chapter five, and, and ch- chapter five shifts into more of, instead of just general speaking, it shifts into talking up to the leaders of the church. It talks, it shifts into that. And I'm like, okay, this is good. So today, um, if, if you are going to title this, or if you're taking notes or whatever, this is what I'd like you to title it, Our Church Project Leaders. Our Church Project Leaders. And we're going to walk through these verses. Um, there's a couple things that have really been on my heart, and I think we're at a really incredible time as, as a church body of gathering here. I mean, Friday night, that was awesome, wasn't it? Uh, we, we got this building. God provided this building for us, which is absolutely incredible. Um, he provided all the money for this building for an entire year. That's even, that, that's, that, can we say sick? That's sick. Like, that's awesome. I keep, I keep waking up going, a mortgage payment. Oh, wait, no. 
oh, wow. Yeah, it's like, great. Like, God has, has done some incredible stuff. And in the life of our small, little, vibrant, exciting body here, we're transitioning. Like, we're moving forward. And, and I can't wait to see what's happening already. I mean, both of our neighbors and, and, and around, the word is getting around that God is doing some cool stuff. And I, I went to the building this morning, unlocked it for the, the guy who's painting, and he... He's fast. <laughs> I mean, and, and, it, and it looks really good in there. And I was looking at all the cars. I mean, there are cars driving up and down that road, and I'm just getting excited. I, I drove there yesterday and saw Harley Davidson had about a billion motorcycle bikes out front. And I thought, this is going to be cool. I'm going to have to get a Harley or something. You know what I mean? It's like whatever. Um, Crabtree Brewery Fruit Tasting House is right down the road, and CrossFit's right there. So he's putting us in a really, really cool location. And he's He's not putting us there for nothing. He's putting us there. Um, if, you, if you want to go back to almost the origins of us, we're going to be salt in this place. We're going to be salt in Greeley. And he's putting us in a location where there's people that are going to need love. And so I'm excited. And our body is transitioning. And we're growing. And woo! It's going to be really cool to see what happens this year. And so when, when I think it's pretty funny how we've been going through this since January, and then we land into, into chapter 5, and it's talking to leaders. Well, congratulations. Aaron Havens is the leader of, of Church Project. And as we move forward, this is more for me than anyone else. This is for our leadership here than anyone else. Yet, yet, it is for all of us. Because God has given us all leadership. He, he says, go where you go. Danny, go, and I want you to be leaders to the people that need their, their, their fields plowed and all that stuff, you know? Teachers, Sarah, Sarah is downstairs teaching our kids right now. Awesome, okay? Wherever we're going to school, whatever we're doing, God says, I have given you my name. Now go and lead that. Go show people the love. So if this is specifically for us as church leaders, but it's also for every one of us. So don't discount yourself in here. Um, I want to, if we would, go to the very first three words, to the elders. This one isn't going to be presented very well because I am going to read a lot of context today. So don't judge this message on me making eye contact with you, okay? Because the content is so incredibly good that I want us to catch this. To the elders, the heart of a leader is the heart of an organization. That's just leadership principle. The heart of a leader is the heart of the organization. If the leader is negative, the organization is negative, right? If the leader is energetic, the, inter the organization is energetic. You know those offices where you walk in, and it's just a dead, sterile environment. You're like, ooh, I bet the leader is really motivated. You know, it's like, you, you know. And so as it says, to the elders, the heart of the leader is the heart of the organization. And the Church of America is in rapid decline. It just is. Statistically, it's in rapid decline. And I've been in church my whole life. Uh, I've, I've said it before, Jared and Jeremy's dad uh, was my youth pastor. I mean, I've known these guys forever. Um, I've grown up in church, and so I've been around it my whole life. And I have to ask the question to myself, why is the church in America declining? And I can come up with a couple things, and this by far isn't an extensive list, but this these are two reasons that, that I thought of, okay? Right here, bad hearts. Bad hearts. Um, pastors, especially leaders of our church, are you head over heels in love with Jesus Christ? Are you? 
I think of one of my best passages. I told you it's my passage in the Bible. No one else can have it. And Peter's de- denied Jesus Christ multiple times. And, and he comes up and Jesus is on the beach and he says, Hey, come have breakfast with me. And he restores Peter in, in John 21, okay, verse 15 through 19, if you want to write that down. He restores Peter. And, and, and what does he ask him right there? He says, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? He repeats himself multiple times. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? He says, go feed my sheep. I think Jesus taught us a leadership lesson there and a life lesson there that's phenomenal. Leaders, are you madly in love with Jesus Christ? How is your heart? And I'll apologize on behalf of bad theology and on behalf of pastors that have stood before you and, and tried to teach you scripture, but their heart is far from God. And if I'm never there, kick me out. Because this is what, one reason why I see the church declining in America is the heart of the leaders is falling away from the love of Jesus Christ. I can't communicate something that's not in me. I better be madly in love with Jesus Christ, head over heels, and you, as, you better as well as you go about your day. So I think, I think bad hearts is one reason. The other one, and I kind of said it, is just bad theology. I think the church of America has kind of turned into almost like a self-help mechanism. It's like, what can we do for you today? How can we make your life the best it can be? You could go to the bookstores right now and you can pick up about a billion Christian authors that only are talking about how to have your life be the best life or whatever. You know, I'm not going to pick on names or titles or whatever. But but the idea is this. It's just bad theology. If, If the church is here to make you just a moral person, we failed you. That's it. That's, we failed you. Our, our, the foundation of what we are as leaders and elders of this church should be Jesus Christ. What he's done for you. And from that, how to live according to that. Amen. That's it. But we seem to skip over that a lot because it's dirty and it's, and it's ugly and it's painful. For me to look you in the eyes and say, I'm glad you're suffering right now. Because as First Peter taught us, Suffering is a good thing because it works out our faith. It does. It makes us stronger. So if we ever as a church say, uh, we're not here to suffer, we're off base, run. Like, get out of town quick. Do not come in more because suffering makes us stronger. So I think it's bad hearts and I think it's bad theology that's kind of gotten to the church of America where it's at right now. Um, American pastors, uh, decades past, have taught us that suffering means bad things. Suffering only, only makes us stronger. Um, you know, in suffering, think back on your life, okay? Uh, it's kind of shared experiences, especially as a body, moving together, suffering together, going through something. You know, if one of us has uh, something we're struggling through, as a body, we should all go through this and be part of this. Think back on your own life. I can think of shared experiences that jump out, and I'm like, it kind of sucked in the middle of it, but right now it's awesome. Like running out of gas in the middle of nowhere with a van full of youth group kids. Guess what? We still talk about that. I mean, we don't, we don't talk about a lot of other things, but we had that shared experience, that suffering. We grew up. It was awesome. And so think about it that way. Okay, think about I can think back on a trip that Lauren and I took with some friends of ours, and we were camping, and it just rained all night long. I, I can think of that one in detail, the smells and all that. But it's hard for me to think of some of the, the better ones that were just flawless, right? It is, suffering is not bad. Suffering is a, is a good thing. Um, we will not 
um, complain or cry over non-essentials here at Church Project. We will not. I, I've been a part of church too long, and I've been a part of churches where it's just a good boy social club. Um, I've been a part of these churches, and honestly, this is why I wanted to leave church, period. I mean, there came a point in my life growing up in church, serving at mega churches and all this stuff, that I, I, I wanted every church building in America to burn down because I was getting sick of it. Kind of cynical, kind of messed up, okay? My perspective was skewed. I was way off base. But when God brought me back to His love, and He brought me back into that, He was showing me over and over again, and I think we could all understand that this isn't a club. This isn't a place just to come and, and be a good boy club. Um, and so things like complaining over choir robes, well, we probably won't have a choir. Uh, th- thinking about, the, uh, complaining about what I wear or what I don't wear, why does that seriously matter? Um, paint color, thank you, Church Project. We're not complaining over paint corner, uh, color. It's not essential. These are not essential things. And if we start to get off base on the non-essentials, we're already off base. I don't want to spend time talking about paint color. I'm sorry. Because this is where church goes. It goes to bad places if we spend time on non-essential stuff. Here's what it is. Church project, we're biblical. Pretty obvious. We're going to teach out of the Bible. We're simple. And that even comes down into the color of our buildings, right? Um, and, and, and we're relevant. These things we cannot skew from. We've got to stay on these. So as I'm reading to the elders... Um, it just jumps out at me, and I'm like, I'm convicted over and over again about what God's asking us to do and what that means for me and the leaders of, of Church Project. Um, we will suffer. Fact. It's about God, not us. And suffering makes us better. Peter addresses leaders because it starts with us. Um, we've been teaching. Uh, about stuff that's been going on through church throughout this, this whole first book of Peter. And um, let me tell you this. If we ever start, start teaching away from the Bible, then leave. Get away. And if you find yourself teaching or sitting under the teaching of someone that's teaching bad theology, you run away quick. Make sure your life aligns with Scripture. Okay, fundamental stuff. All right, let's move on here. Um, let's go to appeal as, as fellow elders. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. So, appeal as a fellow elder. Um, this, is, this is Peter. He's an apostle. He's writing to us as Christians. An apostle is someone that saw Jesus eye to eye, walked with Jesus. Um, he, Jesus lived with Peter. Peter walked with him. He loved him greatly. And so I think it's quite funny that, that Peter's writing this letter to the church. And he's saying, I'm appealing to you, appealing to you as a fellow elder. Okay, isn't this Peter? Like Jesus' friend, the guy that saw Jesus, walked with Jesus his own eye. And he's appealing to us as a fellow leader? I don't, I don't get that. I mean, it's, it's, it's like Peter could literally say, do this because I know. Like, do this. I walked with him. You don't know. I know better. And, and Peter takes the stance of I'm appealing to you as a fellow leader. I think he is showing us something as a fellow elder. He's showing us something on the stance we should take as a church. Um, I kind of thought of this, okay? Think of it as this. is Steve Jobs and Apple, right? 
He started from the very beginning. He started. Everyone knows that, you know. Steve Jobs, wonderful, wonderful. Think about this. Think if he had a guy with him from the very beginning that knew the in and outs of Apple, in and out of Steve Jobs' head, in and outs of everything. And then when Steve Jobs passed away, this guy stood up and said, I'm going to now teach you about Apple and about Steve Jobs and what's going on. Would you listen? Absolutely. Because from the beginning, this guy was here. And this is what Peter is doing. He's saying, I've walked with Jesus, I've been there, I've seen stuff, I've denied it myself, I've seen miracles, all this stuff, and I'm what? I'm appealing to you as fellow elders. He's showing the importance of polarity, what's that word? Polarity. Thank you, of leadership. Polarity, shared leadership. Let's just say that word, okay? Church project leadership. Here's the deal. God has called me to shepherd. Currently, we have a leadership team that keeps us in check and keeps me in check. We will always have accountability in the leadership of this body. If it ever becomes about one person, that's when my experience shows we're going down a slippery slope, a prideful slope, a slope that's easy to be broken, an unbiblical slope. And so just so you know, we will always have polarity, shared leadership. I'm not even going to try that word. Okay, let's go, let's go to be shepherds. I'm picking, like always, I'm picking words here and going for it. If anything, this just whets your appetite for scripture, and you can go pick your own words, but these are my words. So um, let's go to the first one. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a, a witness of Christ's suffering, and one who who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds, underline that, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. I want to spend some time there. Be shepherds. God has called me to be a shepherd of this this flock. I think back to fourth grade um, when I knew I was designed to be a church leader, to be in church. I mean, I can think back all the way to fourth grade. And I can think back um, to every sermon, every lesson, every camp. I don't know how many camps I've been to. I've been to a lot of camps. Um, I've heard a lot of speakers. I, I've studied a lot of scripture. I, I went to college in Liberty University, then dropped out. But I went. And, and then uh, I had mentors. I had mentors my whole life. Since fourth grade, I've had mentors. Um, God is leading me and has been leading me since fourth grade to be a leader of church project. To be a shepherd of this. And this is a heavy, heavy weight that, that I don't take lightly. I, mean, I don't know how many nights a week I wake up or how early I, I wake up or how late I stay up or whatever. Just thinking and praying about what God's doing here. I don't take this lightly. My job is to lead others into humble obedience to God. And I want to, I want to say that again. My job is to lead others into humble obedience to God by living that myself. That's my job. Um, I don't take this lightly. I think back to James 3. And James 3 says, Many of you should not presume to be teachers. Because that's a big deal. That's a big, big deal. And then I think to this. And this is, this is your responsibility as members of Church Project. Your responsibility is this. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-7. through 7. And that's on your notes, or you can write that down. And also, Titus chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, and that's the qualifications of a pastor. 
Those are so important passages to look at and to read through. And, and I want you guys, seriously, you have permission to keep us in check. Keep us in check. This is our body. We're moving forward. And I take this with all seriousness. If I cannot lead in these ways that, that I just gave you, these verses here, then I am, I am not fit to be your shepherd anymore. I am not fit to be a leader, a pastor in here anymore. I take that seriously. So as it says, be shepherds in that, in that setting, in that verse, uh, it just jumps out at me, especially the weight of it and the, and the excitement of it as well. Now let's go on to serving as, as overseers, okay? Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. And then we'll, we'll, we'll kind of stop right there. Serving as overseers, Peter is concerned for order and government. He's saying there is structure to this. I don't want you just to fling and, and go around doing whatever you want. But there's order and structure to church, and, and this is what it should be: be submissive and devote and devoted to to what God has set up. That is why we have structure and order at Church Project. We will. We'll continue to have structure and order because we um, because the Scripture has set that up. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm going to move on. I don't want to spend a lot of time there. I want to go to the next part because money is always a big thing. Okay, Serving as overseers. Um, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not greedy for money. So let's spend a little bit of time right there. This is directed towards me, right? This is directed towards me, an elder of the church here, a shepherd of the church here. Don't be greedy for money. I've seen it. I've seen it growing up in, in church and in places that I've been. You can honestly, you can make a boatload of monies being a pastor of a mega church. You can't. I mean, <laughs> I've seen it with my own eyes. Like you, you really can. And if I am out for that, where am I at? Where's my heart? It's far from God. I'll tell you that. Because in today's age, you can make a lot of money being a pastor of a mega church. Not a church plant, but a mega church. Um, the only way I can figure out how to do that, though, is to emasculate Scripture along the way. Like, take, take Scripture and just cut it out. That's the only way I think you can make a lot of money as, as a pastor, because of Scripture. I mean, there's no way I should be driving around on a jet, right? It just, doesn't, it just does not make sense. Oh, okay, let's talk church project for a little bit, okay? We have a financial board set up, and in the, in the future especially, they're going to be the ones that are setting the salary for me. It's not like I get to come in and say, I want to make a billion dollars. I could say that. They'd laugh at me, though. But, but what that does is, is that, that gives us um, financial accountability. And it's, and it's good that way. I can tell you, at, at this point, um, I've been raising money, and that's how we live. A lot of people from Texas and different places, that's how our family lives, uh, which, which is quite fun. I remember moving into this as we started Church Project and, and just thinking, okay, man, I'll, I'll go get a second job if I need to. I consider this my full-time job, but I'll go get a second job if I need to. God has, has, has um, called us to do this, so we're going to do this. Uh, so, one reason I, I write even other other books and all that is maybe down the line that feeds back into Church Project. Who knows? Maybe maybe it does. I have I have no idea, but I'm going to keep doing that. So I I, I come here to say this, um, man, guys, I'm not greedy for money. 
Our, our elders are, are, are not greedy for money. Um, our leaders are not greedy for money. And, and we won't be. Because if we are, we, we've emasculated Scripture and we're off base. It's just, it's not biblical. Um, we should be able to get paid and hopefully that, that comes down the road. But right now, you know what? That's just not the case. So our family has chosen to, to be all in. To be all in and sleepless nights. To be all in and raising our own support so we can eat. To, to be all in. But that's just what we can do. That's what the Havens can do. What can you guys do as well? You know, it's like, it takes all of us to get this church going and, and to be a part of a movement that's just incredibly sick of God. And so, as a family, we're in. We're, um, we tithe, we, we give offerings above and beyond, we do whatever we can do, and all we ask is you do the same. But that's it, just just do the same. Because i got to believe that if, if all of us are doing that, and especially as leadership, if we're doing that, we got no worries in greeting, especially when it comes down to finances. I mean, look what God's already done. He set us up. We're almost a debt-free church. That's incredible. You know, one year in, are you kidding me? We got a space? Like, like if, if we're all in here financially, emotionally, and what we do and what we say and our actions, we got no worries in greeting. In fact, we're making God's name known here in, in just big, big ways. I've just seen churches that people aren't all in and they are just scraping to survive. So I wanted to address this a little bit. Alright, we'll move on. Let's go to as um, just kind of in general, as your leader. Because as I'm looking through these verses, it's, it's talking so much about me and, and us as leaders. I want to kind of address this, okay? As your leader, um, I will correct... Yeah, welcome. I, I will rebuke and I will also encourage as, as we go about our life. You know, as we go in our day in and day out stuff. Um, I kind of see it as my job is to lead us, the flock, okay, around those cliffs and around those pits and around those areas that are just devastating and where death lies and, and wolves are ready to destroy us. My job is to lead us through those so we can get to the grassy pastures. And, and we can be where God is directing us. That's, that's a good metaphor, a good picture of what my job is. Occasionally, though, um, there's a sheep of our flock, and it's going to wander off. I mean, it's going to go to dangerous places. It's going to go towards the edge. And we know what Scripture says about that. I leave, man. We go, and we grab that sheep, and we bring it back to safety, and we bring it back to what God's asked and how they've asked to live their life. And then they leave again, and we go back. Well, eventually, you know what happens after this happens time and time again? What would a shepherd do? And this is historical. A shepherd would take that, that sheep lamp and break its leg. Because he knew that it's safer with the flock. And over there, he's going to get picked off. He's going to die. Sometimes a shepherd has to do that. And I hope I don't have to. And I hope you don't have to break my leg. But that's the reality of it. But also, the shepherd, if you look at David in Scripture, David, what did he do? Some of, some of the most amazing things he did is he fought a lion and he fought a bear. What was he doing? He was protecting his flock to the degree of fighting a lion and fighting a bear with his bare hands. Like, I will fight for us. I will fight for our church body. You know, when you're struggling, you can call. We will fight. Our leaders, as we grow, we will structure it so that we will fight for you. We will never let the wolf come and attack you and destroy you. We have people currently right now, and I won't even say the names. We have people currently in our body and in our surrounding body that you don't even know their names yet, but we're fighting for them. We're fighting for their marriage, and I can think of their names specifically because I'm fighting for them. 
We will do that. We will do everything that we can to make sure that your life is lining up with the love of Jesus Christ. Sometimes that includes breaking a leg. Sometimes that includes going and fighting a bear for you. We'll do that. Isn't that a cool thing about the body of Jesus Christ? And it takes all of us. I say I will, but would you do that for me? Would you? Would you do that for your neighbor? Beautiful. I love this. And then also one of my jobs is sometimes there's wolves that come in among us. As we grow, it's just going to be fat. I mean, there's going to be people that come into our body here. People that we might even like, but their whole ordeal is to cause dissension, to cause chaos, to destroy us, to start eating us from within. Well, guess whose job it is? My job. To look around for wolves and deal with it accordingly. Because I don't want a wolf among our flock here. Our leaders um, will be living examples. And, and let me give you an example of this. Jeremy, this week, um, has had a really busy week. And, and yesterday, he was driving to Denver. He's like, hey, I'm going to Denver real quick to celebrate Brittany and I's anniversary. Um, I'm like, cool. Are you coming back tonight? He's like, yeah, I'll come back and we'll lead worship in the morning. And we'll turn around and go to Denver in the afternoon. I'm like, bro, maybe you should just stay in Denver. Like, seriously, just, just stay in Denver. Because I know his week has been sick. It's been packed. He's worked so hard. He's done videos with... with incredible people, but more than that, what you don't know, what you didn't see, is him changing a toilet at the building. That's awesome. That's a leader. Did he deserve to stay in Denver last night? Yeah. So we, we, we got music together, and, and we got Sarah doing the kids down there. That's what's important. But if we as leaders ever stop being examples, we're done. Kiss. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Why are we examples? And why are we saying as church project leaders and others we will be examples? It's because of two words. Chief shepherd. Go back to the scripture, verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, are we saying we're the chief shepherd? No. All we can be is living examples to the world around us that points to the chief shepherd the ultimate love just Jesus Christ our job as leaders is to point to him I do this for him I mean I love you guys okay I want you to know that I do this for him Lauren our family we do this for him because later on it, it's, it talks about crowns here in, the, in this context okay here's the deal you can't give me a crown you can't I lead for the approval of Jesus, not for you. It's bottom line. I lead for the approval of Jesus, not for you. I answer to Him and give account to Him about how I lead the church He gave me. That's it. If you don't like me, almost, I don't care. 
Almost. You get what I'm saying. <laughs> if you don't like me, I don't care. You'll hurt my feelings. But I'm not doing it for your approval. I'm doing it for the approval of Jesus Christ because he's called me to this. He's asked me to this. He's put me in this spot. I, I feel the way. I love you guys. And I want to lead us to safe pastures. I want us to go past the cliffs and the wolves and all that stuff. And along the way, I want to add to our flock as well. I want people to know that Jesus loves him and point them to the chief shepherd. Because there's people that are hurting and we can't stand for them. Right, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 now. You'll come to know this verse, this chapter really well. It's about spiritual gifts. You are all gifted, unique. And it's going to take all of us to do this. So begin taking 1 Corinthians chapter 12 serious. We'll discover more about this later, but it takes all of us to do this. God is in love with this church. And He's leading us. Really cool. Okay, let's stop. From here on out. I can't go anymore. Okay, from, from, from here on out. Run after God with seriousness. With purpose and with passion. From here on out, determine to serve God with your life, to lead others to His love. Use every tool in your toolbox. Invite them to church. Have them over for dinner. Go love them. From here on out, daily find your worth and identity in Him, not what you do, but in Him. If you can wake up in love with God, serve Him however you can during the day, and lay down at night in love with God, and confident that He's created you to be who you are, you're winning. Nothing else we can do. Let me pray for us. God, may we be a church that's madly in love with you. May we have leaders that are madly in love with you, that are chasing after you, that are devoted to you. May we as a church body lead greedily into love with you. May we point to you, the chief shepherd, the one who gives us hope, the meaning of everything. May we be light in a dark area. In your name we pray. Amen.